guest is an award-winning TV show host, presenter, and international game changer, or should I say change maker. Splitting her time across Los Angeles, California, and Cape Town, South Africa, she is the host of the celebrity interview series, Nikki Bands Live, as well as Start It Up, the YouTube series showcasing one of the world's most prestigious social entrepreneurship competitions. She has hosted conferences, panels, and events in 25 different countries. No matter where, no matter when, give her a microphone and watch her make magic. Welcome onto the show, Nicole. Thank you so much, Muthoni. It's so absolutely incredible to be here with you. I'm honored to be here and I can't wait for us to chat and get to know each other better and talk about all the things on your podcast. So to kick it off, what's your earliest childhood memory? Woo, earliest childhood memory. That, okay, what can I think about earliest childhood memory? I think I have a lot of super early childhood memories. I don't know, my my memory is, is not so great. Earliest one I can think of off the top of my head right now is probably in like grade five <laughs> when I was uh when I, the day I finally stepped onto the basketball court my friends like all my guy friends have been playing basketball for a long time and I'd always wanted to play with them and I was all, all, obviously taller than all of them because you know girls grow faster than guys and uh I remember in fifth grade I finally stepped onto the basketball court and that led to an illustrious basketball career you know until I didn't go to the WNBA but it's okay it's okay <laughs> But what I'm hearing there is you were brave in that moment in your grade five and you told yourself, you know what, I'm going to step onto the basketball court. So would you say you're someone who puts themselves out there and have you always been this way? Mm, absolutely. hundred percent. I am a super extrovert. You can probably tell just by the way I'm talking right now on this podcast, <laughs> but I have always been one to put myself out there, whether it's a new country, a new culture, a new job, a new opportunity, a new dance floor. I'm always ready to hop on and just make some moves and see what happens. <laughs> so with that, you know, sometimes when we step into these spaces as our full selves, we can get pushback. Most people may be, or let me not say most people, some people may be uncomfortable as we step into these spaces as our full selves. So how do you navigate these spaces where someone is like, she's being a bit too much, or I don't understand who she is? Tell us more. That's an excellent question. And I think it's something that as professional women and women of color, we absolutely have to be very mindful of because there are politics at play. We do have to be thoughtful about how we're perceived, about how other people perceive us, um, you know, and then the assumptions that they make about us and the expectations that they put on us based on what they think about people who look like us or act like us or walk like us or talk like us. So, you know, for me, it's, it's always a balance. Um, I am not one to code switch. So uh, your girl Nikki Bands is going to be her authentic self no matter where, no matter when. Um, you know, but that being said, I understand the nuances of navigating different spaces. You know, when I'm in a room full of heads of state and diplomats, yeah, I'm going to act a little bit differently than when I'm, you know, emceeing at a nightclub in Cape Town and I'm on stage telling people to take tequila shots, right? Like there is a difference in how I'm going to act in those environments. But I think the sort of consistent thread for me is that I'm always going to speak my truth 
truth, you know, and I'm always going to speak my truth and, and no one can take my experiences away from me. So I think, um, you know, people should be thoughtful and remember that at the end of the day, yes, you are going to have to navigate your surroundings. And yes, you are going to have to adapt to the people who are around you, some people who might not you know, willingly embrace you in the way that you would want them to. But that being said, your truth is your truth. Your lived experience is something that nobody can take away from you. And you can always own that no matter what space you're in and no matter what audience you are surrounded by. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Our truth is our truth. And, you know, your life experience and mine will always be different and unique. And it's important for us to recognize that and encourage those who are around us who don't want to embrace their stories, who don't want to embrace their experiences because of shame or regret. So how would you encourage someone who's listening or watching that it's okay to embrace your story regardless of what you've gone through, there's power in that? I have to say that that can be one of the absolute hardest things to do. It can be so hard to embrace all facets of yourself, especially the hard ones, especially the difficult ones. You know, Muthoni, a little bit about my background. I spent the first decade of my professional career working in international development and diplomacy. And I was working with different international NGOs around the world. I was consulting for the UN and speaking at the United Nations headquarters in New York City. And eventually I quit and left that entire industry in that entire sector and pivoted to entertainment, pivoted to being a TV show host and an MC and a presenter because I felt like in that environment, I wasn't being seen to my full potential. I wasn't being valued in the way that I wanted to be valued. And I wasn't making the impact in the way that I wanted to. Um, you know, and so I think that it's really hard to say like these elements of my past that were frustrating, these elements of former employers and careers where I was being gaslit or where there was institutionalized racism in these systems, right? It's really hard to embrace all those things and say, yes, those are all a part of my story. But the reality is that they are all a part of your story. So I, what I try to do and the advice that I would give to anyone listening to this right now is look back on every experience, whether it's positive or negative, and look back on it with gratitude. Because there are parts and elements of each of those experiences that you had that you can say, you know what, even though this thing was hard, even though this thing was difficult, actually, I can look back with gratitude and say thank you for one, two, three pieces, because those three pieces have shaped me into the person that I am today. And I'm going to set boundaries on the rest of the nonsense. I'm not taking the rest of it forward. But there are a couple things that I can look at and say, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that opportunity. And that has made me into who I am today and helped me ascend into the highest version of myself today, because all of those past experiences do help you grow into this person that you are today. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I reflect back on my past and I'm just like, it's good that I stepped away from those spaces that were not seeing me, that were not recognizing my talent. And it's okay. I mean, as you've said, let's put up, let's put up the boundaries and ignore the nonsense and let's just keep moving forward. One of the things that I'm hearing also with your career is momentum, that you kept moving forward, kept putting in the effort and kept showing up. How did you make that conscious decision to keep showing up and to continuously build momentum? Mm, mm, mm. Momentum has absolutely been like my word of 2023. I have to say it has been my word of the year. And 
the way that I did that, I would say two things. One is taking the scariest possible jump, taking the scariest possible leap that I could have ever taken. That's one. And two, it was setting boundaries. So first and foremost, you know, for me to make the pivot that I did from the international development sector and move into this space of entertainment, it was really hard and it was really scary, right? Like what experience did I have being a TV show host and a presenter? What experience did I have in the, in the entertainment industry? Like I literally in university studied culture and politics. You know, I was, I was so deeply ingrained in this world of like development and social impact. And it was really hard to leave that. And it was really hard to, you know, admit to myself that this industry and this sector had broken my heart, that this industry and this sector wasn't what I thought it was going to be, right? And so I had to take that leap of faith and say to myself, okay, this is not working out. And it's not just this specific job, it's the whole thing. And I need to just quit. So quitting and taking that big leap, that scary jump is exactly what I had to do. And that was step number one for me to really evolve and, and have this momentum that I have today. And step number two was setting boundaries. You know, <clears throat> I think that, you know, we, when we end romantic relationships, for example, when we end romantic relationships, everyone allows us this grace period to grieve. We have a grace period to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. I broke up with them. And I'm so, you know, we have those moments where we're sitting on the couch, eating ice cream, crying, you know, watching rom-coms. Okay. Like that's something that we are allowed to do in romantic relationships, but nobody tells us that it's also okay to grieve friendships. And it's also okay to grieve professional relationships and jobs and careers that didn't work out. And I'm here to tell you today that you have to grieve those things too. And in grieving those things, you might realize that you need to set boundaries. I needed to set boundaries. When I left my career and left what I was doing to move into this new space, a space that would bring me joy and passion and happiness, I burned hella bridges and I did it unapologetically because for me, I had to set those boundaries and say, you, you guys with your thoughts and your mindsets and what you're trying to do, doesn't serve me anymore. I need a hard break right now. Maybe I can come back at some point, but right now I need a firm cut. Like I've deleted you off of LinkedIn. I have blocked you on Instagram. Don't at me, you know, like it's done, you know, it's done. And so grieving those professional relationships that no longer existed anymore, grieving friendships that no longer served me, people who couldn't understand why I was making the professional pivot that I was, I had to set those boundaries and then I had to grieve them. And because I did that, it freed up so much headspace and heart space for me to have the momentum that I have today and to surround myself with people and opportunities that serve me and that help launch me into the version of Nicole Bannister that I'm trying to be. You know, You've mentioned how we only, or rather we're given the, the space to just grieve for romantic relationships, but we're not given the space to grieve friendships, professional, and even family. And it's amazing the way that you've articulated it, because honestly, why am I maintaining that connection if each time I'm talking to you, you are influencing me in a negative way to, you know, doubt my decision to pivot, doubt myself to be committed to my growth process. So your younger self is seated across you right now and she's had all of this, but she is trying to figure out how do I make that step? First of all, hearing that voice within me saying it's time to pivot, hearing that voice within me telling me it's time to cut that tie, burn that bridge with no apologies. What would you tell her? The first thing I would tell her 
is to go get a journal and start writing down your thoughts. <laughs> that is the first thing that I would tell my younger self. You know, I think each of us needs some sort of an outlet yeah. to be able to thoughtfully reflect on the things that have happened in our past and our goals and what we're looking forward to in the future. And for me, that's been a journaling practice. I've been so happy to have a journal and write in it. And I'll, I'll be the first to say, I don't write consistently. I don't write every single day. Sometimes I don't even write every single week, but knowing that I have a journal and that when I feel called to write, when I feel called to just put some thoughts down, even if it's something simple, like today I'm thankful for this and that's all I write. And then another day I write 10 pages about, you know, all the, all the things happening in my head and in my heart. So I think the journaling practice is really important. Some people maybe have a note on their phone where they where they write things down. Some people have a practice of like vision boarding and, and putting things down. But I think actually taking things out of your head, putting them onto paper is so important. And that's exactly what I would tell my younger self to do because I wish I had started doing that sooner. I would say I started a consistent journaling practice maybe when I was 29 or 30. Uh, so a couple of years ago. And I wish I had started doing it when I was like, 25, you know, <laughs> like who knows where I would be uh, in my life, in my career, if I had started doing that much sooner. Because when you take those things out of your head and out of your heart and put them on paper or or put them down, you're literally speaking them into existence. You're speaking them out into the universe so that you can build the life in the future that you want. So I would have to tell my younger self to get on that journaling game and start that ASAP started earlier than I actually did in my actual life. <laughs> no, journaling is so powerful and I can attest to it. As you're saying, I may not journal every day, but the moments that I do, it's like, yes, it is out there. I have put myself on the, rather holding myself accountable as to what I want to achieve or, you know, just reflecting on different stages of my life. So just on the thread of your younger self, California, Cape Town, would she have believed if you told her that you would be in Cape Town, South Africa? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Even today, I've been in South Africa for 10 years. This is my official 10 years of being in South Africa. Even today, I'm like, do I still live in South Africa? I'm like, how did that happen? Like, what am I doing here? It's so wild to me, honestly. I've been so blessed to have had experiences, not just in Cape Town, but also in other parts of South Africa. I lived in Limpopo for two and a half years, which is one of the most rural provinces of the country. And I feel like that experience there really allowed me to understand South Africa in a way that your average Mzungu like isn't going to understand, right? Like your average foreigner or American who's coming to the African continent is not going to understand what's really happening in this place if you just go to a place like Cape Town, right? Um, and so it was, It's I'm, I'm so grateful and blessed to have the opportunity to have spent time in Limpopo for two and a half years and then make the transition to Cape Town. But I have just so many incredible friends here and organizations. And I think the thing that keeps me in Cape Town. Um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of like uh, surface level parallels between Cape Town and California. I always say this, the, the, the thing about Cape Town and thing about California, beautiful beaches, beautiful mountains, beautiful people. Okay. That's the same thing across both of those cities and states. Right. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I love about Cape Town is how creative people are here. Mm -hmm. People are so creative. Everybody has a side hustle. Everyone's side hustle is actually their main hustle. Okay. So it's like, whether it's fashion, or drama or art or people 
are singing, people are uh, sommeliers and learning about wine. Like everybody has something really creative and interesting that they do. I think unfortunately that's born out of tragedy. It's born out of the fact that South Africa has one of the highest unemployment rates in the world. There aren't jobs for young people provided by the government and provided by major corporations. So what do people do? They say, okay, well, I'm going to make something of myself. I'm going to be a content creator. I'm going to be a rapper. I'm going to be a fashion designer. People have to be creative to survive. But because of that, there's such a thriving creative community and culture here. Mm -hmm. And not just for South Africans, but also for the entire African diaspora. You've got African-Americans like myself. You've got people from South Sudan, people from Kenya, people from Ghana, people from Nigeria. You know, my partner's here in Cape Town. He's Nigerian, right? And so it's just an incredible, dynamic, diasporic, creative community here. You've mentioned something that has really stood out for me is you know, Cape Town being this melting pot of creativity. And one of the questions that's standing out for me right now is where do you see the African creative scene going? Mm, that is such a phenomenal question. I think the reality is that we know we have a youth bulge on the African continent. We know that the majority of people on the continent are like under the age of 30 years old. So with that, comes so much creative energy and so much creative force. I think that the future of creativity on the African continent really looks like young people starting their own businesses and employing their peers. I think social entrepreneurship is gonna be at the heart of the future of creativity on the African continent, whether it's in the tech space or it's in the content creation, social media space, um, you know, or it's in a or it's in hospitality. I think that young people on this continent are going to continue to make jobs for themselves, not wait to be employed by other people. And then in doing so, they're going to create jobs and opportunities for everybody else around them. You know, I think young people on this continent are not going to wait for a handout. They're not waiting for anybody to do anything for them. They've they they've seen that that's not going to happen. So they're going to go out and blaze their own trail. And I'm so excited to see that. I'm so excited for that to happen. And, and there's power in that. Why are we waiting for a handout? Why are we waiting for someone to say, you know what, let me open the door for you. No, let me just believe in myself and record my song, paint my paintings and do it today. Why are we waiting? Exactly. I'm going to build my own door. I'm not going to wait for you to open the door. I'm going to yeah. build my own door. <laughs> Yeah. So with that in mind, you, you've mentioned here in your bio that you are the host of the most prestigious social entrepreneurship competitions. If you're able to just take us through what is the mission for that show and, and the impact so far. Absolutely. So the name of the show is Started Up. And it's a YouTube show where young people from all over the world are competing by pitching their social impact business ideas to an elite panel of judges in the hopes of winning $50,000. So I'm talking young people from India, from Kenya, from Colombia, from Mexico, from Germany, the best of the best from across the globe are coming together and saying, I have this business. This business has some kind of social impact. I want want to start this business so that it can change the world. And this is why you need to give me $50,000 to make this business just shine and thrive on the global stage. And the, the competition is run by an organization called GSEA, which is the Global Student Entrepreneur Awards. And so they're the ones who organize competitions sort of at the city level, at the state level, at the provincial level, and then at the national level, and then the regional level. And so they don't, the students who are competing on this show, they don't get to me 
until they're at the international final. So after they've made it through like six different rounds of pitching and they've won their regional competitions, then they come to me in the finals where we're full on production, filming a show, lights, camera, action. We're in the studio. We're flying students all over the world. And, uh, you know, that's when they come to me, which is so exciting because they've, they've already been vetted. They have business ideas that work, that are successful. Um, and they're really the best of the best from across the globe. And I think that it's been such a privilege and such an honor you know to host that show as a presenter the dream is to be the very first host of a show so you you've been picked to host season one of a brand new show and then as the show grows and expands into multiple seasons you as the host become synonymous with that show that is literally a host's dream and that is what's happening with me and started up we are two seasons in uh inshallah we've got a third season coming next year and so it's been so incredibly exciting the 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 feedback has been phenomenal we have nearly 10 million views on the show on YouTube. So it's really just so exciting to see people around the world really getting on board with these young people who have big ideas on how to change the world and they're starting their own businesses so that they can actually go out and be that change in the world. First of all, congratulations. Yay! Um, that is that is really um, powerful that now these entrepreneurs are given this stage where they can showcase their talent, showcase their, their businesses and truly, you know, let them see or rather we can see them shine. And that is so important because I believe in entrepreneurship. I'm an entrepreneur and I've been at it for 10 years. And I think it's the backbone for every society, every community. And it's an avenue where, you know, economic growth can be fostered and boosted. So kudos to the young people. May they continue pursuing that dream. So we're going to switch gears a little bit. And I'm going to ask you random questions. Don't overthink. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie, Fast and the Furious. All of them or just one in particular? The whole, the whole series, the whole series. I mean, number five is the best, but I love the whole series. <laughs> if you could interview a famous person, who would you choose? Barack, Barack Obama. Barack, I Mike need Trump. you. Come on. Come on my show, Nikki Bands Live. I'm ready for you, Mr. President. Let's get it. <laughs> <laughs> love to hear it. If you were given an elephant and you can't get rid of it, what would you do with the elephant? Woo. Well, first things first, I would need to get a bigger home. <laughs> my uh, my two-bedroom apartment ain't going to cut it. I'm going to have to move out into the suburbs and get some land so that my elephant can go and like actually have space to thrive and do its thing. So first things first, I'm going to get that elephant some land. <laughs> Ooh, oh my. And in closing, <laughs> how do you want to be remembered? Oh, how do I want to be remembered? I want to be remembered as the person who bridged the cultural and media gap that currently exists in big multilateral institutions like the UN and the US government. There are ways that we can create exciting avenues for social impact and social change and the current bureaucracy and hierarchy of some of these systems is just not working and it's not reaching 
the young people who need these resources the most. So I want to be the person, I will be the person, let me manifest this, I will be the person to bridge that media and cultural gap between these big multilateral agencies and between the next generation of young change makers out there. So that's how I want to be remembered. And you shall, you shall do it. So in closing, is there anything else that you still want to share with someone out there? Absolutely. Well, just thanks again to everybody who has been here and been listening to me. Once again, my name is Nicole Bannister, aka Nikki Bands. You can follow me on Instagram at they call me Bands. And I'll just close by saying that once again, the thing that you have to do is the absolute scariest thing in your life. So the thing that is the scariest, the thing that is the most daunting, the most intimidating, whether it's moving to a new country, messaging that person that you've always liked, uh, starting a brand new job, applying for a grad school that you thought was like a reach that you thought you couldn't get into, whatever the absolute scariest thing is for you to do, that is exactly the thing that you need to do. So go out, take that leap, take that jump, because I guarantee you that you will fly. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on to the show. I truly appreciate you. Oh, thank you, Muthoni. It's been so beautiful getting to know you and just hearing all these phenomenal questions. I'm feeling so inspired. Thank you. Fantastic. So dear listeners and whoever is watching on YouTube, I hope you've picked something from this conversation. For me, it's just take that leap of faith because as Nicole has said it, you will fly. Until the next episode, continue being brave. Mm -hmm.